Welcome to today's meeting of Path to Recovery, Al-Anon. I'm Fernando. I am a grateful member of the Al-Anon meeting groups and your secretary for this meeting. Let's go ahead and open with the opening prayer. Our Father, we come to you as a friend. You have said that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you will be in the midst. We believe that you are here with us now. We believe this is something you will have us to do and that it has your blessing. We pledge with you always to be honest and to search our hearts for weakness and errors that we may deserve your help. We believe that you want us to be real partners with you in this business of living, accepting our full responsibilities and certain that the rewards will be freedom, growth, and happiness. For this, we are grateful. We ask you at all times to guide us, help us daily to come closer to you, and grant us new ways of living our gratitude. Amen. And now for the meeting, welcome. We welcome you this, to this Eleanor Family Group meeting and hope you will find in this fellowship the help and friendship we have been privileged to enjoy. We who live or have lived with the problem of alcoholism understand, as perhaps few others can, we too were lonely, frustrated, but in Alnon we discover that no situation is really hopeless and that it is possible for us to find contentment and even happiness, whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not. We urge you to try our program. It has helped many of us find solutions that lead to serenity. So much depends on our own attitudes and, as we learn to place our problem in its true perspective, we find it loses its power to dominate our thoughts and our lives. The family situation is bound to improve as we apply the Al-Anon ideas. Without such spiritual help, living with an alcoholic is too much for most of us. Our thinking becomes distorted by trying to force situations and we become irritable and unreasonable without knowing it. The Al-Anon program is based on the suggested 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, which we try little by little, one day at a time, to apply to our lives along with our slogans and the serenity prayer. The loving interchange of help among members and daily reading of Al-Anon literature thus makes us ready to receive their priceless gift of serenity. Al-Anon is an anonymous fellowship. Everything that is said here in the group meeting and member to member must be held in confidence. Only in this way can we feel free to say what is in our minds and in our hearts. For this is how we help one another and Alnon. And now, can I get someone to read the 12 steps of Alnon? Oh, before that, let's go ahead and read the, uh, the newcomers. Welcome. Well, not yet, not yet. Okay, here's the 12 steps. One, we admit it, we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourself, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask Him to remove our shortcomings. 
8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible except one to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And now we will read the 12 traditions of Elmah. 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal progress for the greatest number depends on unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one authority, a loving God, as He may express Himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The relatives of alcoholics, when gathered together for mutual aid, may call themselves an Al-Nam family group provided that, as a group, they have no other affiliation. The only requirement for membership is that there be a problem of alcoholism in a relative or a friend. For each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting another group or Al-Anon or AA as a whole. Five, each Al-Anon family group has but one purpose, to help families of alcoholics. We do this by practicing the 12 steps of AA ourselves, by encouraging and understanding our alcoholic relatives, and by welcoming and giving comfort to families of alcoholics. Six, our family groups are never endorse, finance, or lend our name to any outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary spiritual aim. Although a separate entity, we should always cooperate with Alcoholics Anonymous. Six, our family groups are never endorsed, finance, or lend our name to any outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary spiritual aim. Although a separate entity, we should always cooperate with Alcoholics Anonymous. Huh, did I just read that? Seven, each group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. L non 12-step work should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. Our groups as such are never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. The Alanon family group has no opinion on outside issues, hence our name will never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always to maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. We need to guard with special care the anonymity of all AA members. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. Every reminder is to place principles above personalities. And now we will read the do's and don'ts of Elmont. Do forgive, do be honest with yourself, do be humble, do take it easy, tension is harmful, do play, find recreation and hobbies, do keep on doing your best even when you fail, do learn the facts about alcoholism, do attend Elna meetings often, do pray, don't be self-righteous, don't dominate, nag, score, or complain. Don't lose your temper. 
Don't try to push anyone but yourself. Don't keep bringing up the past. Don't keep checking up on the alcoholic. Don't wallow in self-pity. Don't make threats you don't intend to carry out. Don't be overprotective. Don't be a doormat. And it goes on to say, the newcomers welcome. If anybody is new to Al-Anon and is taking a look, this is the reason of this reading for you to get familiar and listen to our meeting guide over and over again. This is the newcomer's welcome. As a newcomer, you may feel that you are here tonight for the alcoholic, that your presence here may teach you how to stop his or her drinking. The truth is you are here because of the alcoholic, not for the alcoholic. You will soon learn that you did not cause the alcoholic to drink. You cannot control the drinking, nor can you cure the alcoholic. You are here for yourself. You and you alone are responsible for dealing with your own pain. This is your own program. It is your recovery from the effects of disease of alcoholism. You will find love, understanding, and a lot of hope from the Al-Anon family group. The people around you tonight are experiencing in varying degrees the hurts, the anger, and the anxiety that you are experiencing. We in Al-Anon share our experiences because it helps us to focus on ourselves and our, on our recovery. We do this with the use of the Al-Anon tools of the program, steps, slogans, literature, which will all be provided for you. Al-Anon will work for you <coughs> if you allow it to. It's an, as effective as you make it. It's a safe place, the right place to be. Feel free to ask any questions or you may feel comfortable just listening. That's fine too. There are no musts in Elna. Finally, what you say or hear here and who you see here tonight stays in this room. Your anonymity is protected at all times. All right now, and we have three obstacles in Elnam. We usually introduce ourselves. Everybody in the room goes around and says their name. And then we move over to reading the three obstacles in, of Elnam. All Elnam discussions should be constructive, helpful, loving, and understanding. In striving towards these ideas, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension and distract us from our goals. One, discussion of religion. Al-Anon is not allied with any sect or domination. It is a spiritual program based on no particular form of religion. Everyone is welcome, no matter what affiliation or not. Let us not defeat our purpose for entering into discussion concerning specific religious beliefs. Two, gossip. We meet to help ourselves and others learn and use the Al-Anon philosophy. In such groups, gossip can have no part. We do not discuss members of others, and particularly not the alcoholic. Our dedication to anonymity gives people confidence in Al-Anon. Careless repeating of matters heard at meetings can defeat the very purposes for which we are joined together. 3. Dominance. Our leaders are trusted servants. They do not govern. No member of Alnon should direct, assume authority, or give advice. 
Our program is based on suggestions, interchange of experience, and rotation of leadership. We progress in our own way and pace. Any attempt to manage or direct is likely to have disastrous consequences for group harmony. And with that, after we read that, we have secretary announcements. The secretary says uh, we have literature available. And the literature person says we have books for sale if you need a pen, pen and paper. So we're going to write. We have a treasure report. There's no dues or fees, but we do uh, support our rent and help the central offices to um, for the income to stay open. That's where we get books, and it's, and it's a warehouse. Um, we have no dues or fees in Elon, but we do pass baskets to cover group expenses, including rent, purchase of literature, support of our trusted servants in Elon service arms. Our seven tradition says we are self-supporting through our own voluntarily contributions. And what we usually do through a group conscience there will be no crosstalk. Crosstalk is defined as commenting on another person's share or a side conversation with your neighbor. Most meetings are continually 12-step meetings. They will continue whether we left off after each meeting using the Path to Recovery workbook. We will read through the questions and write for 20 minutes about how they pertain to our own situations. I will share in a couple of my answers and ask those who wish to share to do the same. Again, this is a 12-step meeting. We will continue where we left off after each meeting using the Path to Recovery workbook or the text, Path to Recovery. And that's what we do here. And now we close the meeting after we uh, read, read and write for 20 minutes. And then we discuss what we wrote down, if you want to. And then the meeting comes to a close after that, after everybody gets sharing, usually about an hour for a small meeting, an hour and a half for a large meeting. And now we close with a special closing. Let me read that to you, and we close out with a prayer. Alanon closing statement. In closing, I would like to say that the opinions expressed here were strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. The things you heard were spoken in confidence and should be treated as confidential. Keep them within the walls of this room and the confines of your mind. A few special words to those of you who haven't been with us long. Whatever your problem, there are those among us who have, have had them. Two, if you try to keep an open mind, you will find help. You will come to realize that there is no situation too difficult to be bettered and no unhappiness too great to be lessened. We aren't perfect. The welcome we give you may not show the warmth we have in our hearts for you. After a while, you'll discover that though you may not like all of us, you'll love us in a very special way, the same way we already love you. Talk to each other, reason things out with someone else, but let there be no gossip or criticism of one another. Instead, let the understanding, love, and peace of the program grow in you one day at a time. Will all who care to join me in the closing prayer, the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity 
to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Reading of 1 John from the New Living Translation. 1. The one who existed from the beginning is the one who we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands, and he is Jesus Christ, the word of life. This is the one who is life from God was shown to us. And we have seen him, and now we testify and announce to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was shown to us. We are telling you about what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy will be complete. This is the message he has given us to announce to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not living in the truth, but if we are living in the light as of God's presence, just as Christ is, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses from all every sin. If we say we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in us. Chapter 2. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who pleases you, God, completely. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He takes away not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And how can we be sure that we belong to him? By obeying his commandments. If someone says, I belong to God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and does not live in the truth. But those who obey God's word really do love him. That is the way to know whether or not we live in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Christ did. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment, for it is an old one you have, have had right from the beginning. This commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. This commandment is true in Christ and it's true among you. Because the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone says, I am living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves other Christians is living in the light and does not cause anyone to stumble. Anyone who hates a Christian brother or sister is living and walking in darkness. Such a person is lost, having been blinded by the darkness. I am writing to you, my dear children, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young because you have won the battle with Satan. 
I have written to you, children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you who are mature because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you who are young because you are strong with God's word, living in your heart, and you have won your battle with Satan. Stop living this evil world and all that it offers you, for when you love the world, you show that you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and pride in possession. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world, and this world is fading away along with everything it craves. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the end of the world has come. Those people left our churches because they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left us, it proved that they do not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you not because you know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and falsehood. And who is the great liar? The one who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Such people are antichrist, for they have denied the Father and the Son. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will continue to live in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in the, this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. I have written these things to you because we need to be aware of those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you all things, and what He teaches is true. It is not a lie, so continue in what He has taught you, and continue to live in Christ. And now, dear children, continue to live in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that God is always right, we also know that all who do what is right are his children. Chapter 3 See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for he allows us to be called his children. And we really are. But the people who belong to this world don't know God, so they don't understand that we are His children. Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what we will be when Christ returns. But we do know that when He comes, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. And all who believe this will keep themselves pure, just as Christ is pure. Those who sin are opposing, opposed to the law of God. For all sin opposes the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, for there is no sin in Him. So if we continue to live in Him, we won't sin either. But those who keep on sinning have never known Him or understood who He is.
Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it is because they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not sin because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they have been born of God. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not obey God's command and does not love other Christians does not belong to God. This is the message we have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain has been doing what was evil and his brother has been doing what was right. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to eternal life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another Christian is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Christ gave us his life for us. Gave up his life for us. And so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. But if anyone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need and refuses to help, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us stop saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. It is by our actions that we know we are living in the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before the Lord, even if our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our conscience is clear, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive whatever we request because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. And this is His commandment. We must believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments live in fellowship with Him, and He with them. And we know He lives in us because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is the way to find out if they have the Spirit of God. For there are many false prophets in the world, and this is the way to find out if they have the Spirit of God. Chapter 4. If a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ became a human being, that person has the Spirit of God. If a prophet does not acknowledge Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is going to come into the world and is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won your fight with these false prophets, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. These people belong to this world, so they don't speak from the world's viewpoint. And the world listens to them, but we belong to God. That is, 
why those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only Son into the world so that we may have eternal life through him. This is real love. It is not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God, since God loves us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love has been brought to full expression through us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much love us we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in Him. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of judgment, and this shows that his love has not been perfected in us. We love each other as a result of his loving us first. If someone says, I love God, but hate a Christian brother and sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we have not seen? And God himself has commanded that we must love not only him, but our Christian brothers and sisters too. Chapter 5 Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is the child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know that we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and really, that is in difficulty. For every child of God defeats evil world by trusting Christ to give the victory. And the ones who win this battle against the world are the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed to as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood, and the Spirit also gives us testimony that this is true. So we have these three witnesses. The Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his son. 
All who believe in the Son of God know that this is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. For whosoever has God's Son has life. Whoever does not have His Son does not have life. I write to you this who believe in the Son of God so that you may also know that you have eternal life. And we can be confident that He will listen to us whenever we ask Him for anything in line with His will. And if we know He is listening, when we make our request, we can be sure that He will give us what we ask for. If you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give you the per, the, that person life. Again, if you see a Christian or brother sinning that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. I am, and I am not saying you should pray for those who committed every wrong is sin, but not all, all sin to death. Not all sin leads to death. We know that those who have become part of God's family do not make it a practice of sinning, for God holds them securely, and the evil one cannot get his hands on them. We know that we are children of God and that the world among us is under the power and control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God and know we are in God because we are in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and His eternal life. And He is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. And again... I'm going to read from 20. It says, And we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding, so that we can know the true God. And now we are in God because we are in His Son. Jesus Christ, He is the only true God, and He is eternal. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. And now we are in God because we are in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nuestro jefe de sacerdotes es mejor. Hebreos 8. Lo más importante de todo esto es que tenemos un jefe de sacerdotes que está en el cielo, sentado a la derecha del trono de Dios. Ese sacerdote es Jesucristo, que actúa como sacerdote en el verdadero santario, es decir, en el verdadero lugar de oración. Hecho por Dios y no por nosotros los humanos. 
Aquí en la tierra se nombra a cada jefe de los sacerdotes para presentar a Dios las ofrendas y sacrificios del pueblo. Por eso también Jesucristo tiene algo que ofrecer a Dios. Si él estuviera aquí, no sería sacerdote, pues ya tenemos sacerdotes que presentan a Dios las ofrendas que ordena la ley de Moisés. Pero el trabajo de esos sacerdotes nos da apenas una ligera idea de lo que pasa en el cielo. Por eso cuando Moisés iba a construir el santuario, Dios le dijo, Pon mucho cuidado porque debes hacerlo todo siguiendo el modelo que te mostraré en la montaña. Pero el trabajo que Dios le dio a Jesucristo, nuestro jefe de sacerdotes, es mucho mejor. Y por medio de él tenemos también un pacto mejor porque en el Dios nos hace mejores promesas. Porque en él Dios nos hace mejores promesas. Si el pacto que Dios hizo antes con el pueblo de Israel hubiera sido perfecto, no hubiera sido necesario un nuevo pacto. Pero al ver Dios que el pueblo no le obedecía como él esperaba, dijo, Viene el día en que haré un nuevo pacto con el pueblo de Israel y con el pueblo de Judá. En el pasado tomé de la mano a sus antepasados y los saqué de Egipto y luego hizo un pacto con ellos, pero no lo cumplieron. Y por eso no me preocupé más por ellos. Por eso ese será mi nuevo pacto con el pueblo de Israel. Haré que mis enseñanzas las aprendan de memoria y que sean la guía de su vida. Yo seré su Dios y ellos serán mi pueblo. Les juro que así será. Yo no hará, ya no hará falta que unos sean maestros de otros y que les enseñen a conocerme, porque todos me conocerán, desde el más joven hasta el más viejo. Yo les perdonaré todas sus maldades y nunca más me acordaré de sus pecados. Cuando Dios habla de hacer con nosotros un nuevo pacto es porque considera viejo el pacto anterior. Y lo que se considera viejo es inútil. Ya está a punto de desaparecer. Hebreros nuevo. 9. Los antiguos sacrificios. En el primer pacto Dios nos dio reglas que para superar, superarnos como adorarlo. Esas reglas eran para el culto aquí en la tierra. El santuario para ese culto se construyó de la siguiente manera. Es, en su primera parte, llamada el lugar santo, estaban el candele, candelabro y la mesa donde se ponían los panes apartados para Dios. Detrás de la segunda cortina estaba la parte llamada Lugar Santísimo, en donde estaba el altar de oro para quemar incenso, y también el cofre del pacto, que estaba totalmente recubierto de oro. En el cofre había una jarra de oro que contenía mana, el bastón de Aarón que había vuelvo, vuelto a florecer, y las tablas con los diez mandamientos. 
Encima del cofre se pusieron las estatutas de dos seres ángeles alados, los cuales cubrían con sus alas el tapa del cofre y presentaban la presencia de Dios, pero de momento no hace falta entrar en detalles. Así estaban dispuestas todas las cosas en el santuario. Todos los días los sacerdotes entre, entraban al lugar santo para celebrar el culto. Pero en el lugar santísimo solo podía entrar el jefe de los sacerdotes y esto solo una vez al año. Entraba llevando la sangre de los animales que él y el pueblo ofrecían para pedir perdón a Dios cuando pecaban sin darse cuenta. De ese modo, el Espíritu Santo da a entender que cuando aún existía el santuario, la entrada al lugar santísimo no le estaba permitida a cualquiera. Todo esto se hizo así para mostrarnos que la hora es más importante que ahora. No podemos sentirnos perdonados solo por haber ofrecido ofrendas y sacrificios en el culto. Todo esto no son reglas que tienen que ver con comidas, bebidas y ceremonias de purificación que nos preparan para el culto. Las reglas indican lo que se debe hacer, pero no nos ayudan a cambiar nuestra manera de vivir. Esas reglas sirven solo mientras Dios no las cambie por algo mejor. Pero ya Cristo vino y se ha convertido en el jefe de sacerdotes y a él le debemos todo lo bueno que ahora no, no pasa. Porque el santuario donde él es sacerdote es mejor y perfecto. No lo hizo ningún ser humano así que no es de este mundo. Cristo no entró a ese santuario para ofrecer a Dios la sangre de animales, sino para ofrecer su propia sangre. Entró una sola vez y para siempre de ese modo de una vez por todas nos libró del pecado. Entró una sola vez y para siempre de ese modo de una vez por todo, todas nos libró del pecado. De acuerdo con la religión judía, las personas que están impuras no pueden rendirle culto a Dios, pero serán consideradas, consideradas puras si se les roce a la sangre de chivos y toros y las cenizas de una becerra sacrificada. Sacrificada. Pues sí, todo eso tiene poder. Más poder tiene la sangre de Cristo. Porque por medio del Espíritu que vive para siempre, Cristo se ofreció a sí mismo a Dios como sacrificio sin mancha ni pecado. Su sangre nos purifica para que estemos seguros de que hemos sido perdonados y para que podamos servir a Dios que vive para siempre. Así, por medio de Jesucristo, entramos en un nuevo pacto con Dios, porque Jesucristo murió para que Dios nos perdonara todo lo malo que hicimos cuando servíamos el primer pacto. Y por medio de su muerte, también los que hemos sido elegidos por Dios, recibiremos la salvación eterna que Él nos ha prometido. 
Este nuevo pacto es como un testamento. Si la persona que hace un testamento no ha muerto todavía, ese documento aún no sirve de nada. Por eso, cuando Dios hizo el primer pacto, se mataron varios animales. Primero Moisés anunció los mandamientos de la ley a todo el pueblo. Luego tomó lana roja y aún una rama de hisopo y la mojó en agua mezclada con sangre de toros y de chivos. Después roció esa mezcla sobre el libro de la ley y con ella roció también a todo el pueblo. Cuando terminó dijo, esta sangre confirma el pacto que Dios ha hecho con ustedes. Moisés también roció con sangre el santario y todas las cosas que se usaban en el oculto. La ley dice que la sangre quita el pecado de casi todas las cosas y que debemos ofrecer sangre a Dios para que nos perdone nuestros pecados. Por eso fue necesario matar a esos animales para limpiar todo lo que hay en el santuario, que es una copia de lo que hay en el cielo. Pero lo que hay en el cielo necesita algo mejor que sacrificio de animales. Porque Cristo no entró en el santuario hecho por seres humanos, que era solo una copia del santuario verdadero. Cristo entró en el cielo mismo y allí se presenta ante Dios para pedirle que nos perdone. No entró para ofrecerse como sacrificio muchas veces, como aquí en la tierra lo hace el jefe de los sacerdotes, que entra una vez al año para ofrecer una sangre que no es la suya. Si Cristo tuviera que hacer lo mismo, habría tenido que morir muchas veces desde que Dios creó el mundo. Pero lo cierto es que ahora, cuando ya se acerca el fin, Cristo se ha manifestado de una vez y para siempre. Se ha manifestado para ofrecer como el sacrificio por el cual Dios nos perdona nuestros pecados. Todos nosotros moriremos una sola vez y después vendrá el juicio. De la misma manera, Cristo se ha ofrecido una sola vez para que muchos seamos perdonados de nuestros pecados. Después al volver otra vez al mundo, pero no para morir por nuestros pecados, sino para salvar a todos los que esperamos su venida. Hebreros 10 la ley antigua ya no sirve. La ley de Moisés era solo una muestra de lo bueno que Dios nos iba a dar. Y no lo que en verdad nos daría. Por eso, la ley nunca puede ser perfecto. A los que cada año van al santuario a ofrecer a Dios los mismos sacrificios de siempre. Es en verdad la ley pudiera quitarles el pecado, no se sentirían culpables y de, no se sentirían culpables y dejarán de ofrecer sacrificios a Dios. Pero sucede lo contrario. Cada año cuando ofreces esos sacrificios lo único que logran es recordar sus pecados. 
Porque la sangre de toros y de los chivos se sacrifician no pueden quitarle los pecados. Por eso cuando Cristo vino a este mundo le dijo a Dios. Tú, tú no pides sacrificios a cambio de tu perdón. Por eso me has dado un cuerpo. Por eso te dije aquí me tienes para cumplir tu voluntad. Así me lo enseñá. La ley de Moisés. En primer lugar, ese salmo dice que Dios no quiere ni le gustan los sacrificios y las ofrendas ni los animales quemados sobre el altar. Aunque la ley manda que sean presentados. Después de eso, el salmo dice que Cristo vino a cumplir la voluntad de Dios. Es decir, Cristo quitó aquellos sacrificios antiguos y estableció un nuevo, uno nuevo. Dios nos eligió porque Jesucristo obedeció sus órdenes al morir en la cruz y ofreció su cuerpo como sacrificio una sola vez y para siempre. Aunque los sacrificios de animales no quitan el pecado, los sacerdotes judíos siguen ofreciéndolo muchas veces todos los días. Pero Jesucristo le ofreció a Dios un solo sacrificio para siempre. Y así nos perdonó nuestros pecados. Luego se sentó a la derecha del trono de Dios y allí estará esperando hasta que Dios derrote a sus enemigos. Porque con un solo sacrificio Jesucristo hizo que Dios hiciera perfectos a todos los que eligió para ceder. Ser parte de su pueblo. Así lo asegura el Espíritu Santo cuando dice. Por eso este será mi nuevo pacto. Con el pueblo de Israel haré que mis enseñanzas las aprendan de memoria y que sean la guía de su vida. Y nunca más me acordaré de sus pecados y maldades. Por lo tanto, si nuestros pecados han sido perdonados, ya no es necesario darle a Dios más ofrendas para que nos perdone. Hermanos, la sangre que Jesús derramó al morir nos permite ahora tener amistad con Dios y entrar con toda libertad en el lugar más santo. Pues cuando Jesús murió, abrió la cortina que nos impedía el paso. Pero ahora Jesús está vivo y por medio de él podemos acercarnos a Dios de un modo nuevo y distinto. Él es nuestro gran sacerdote, encargado del santuario que está en el cielo. Por eso, mantengamos una amistad sincera con Dios, teniendo la plena seguridad de que podemos confiar en él. Porque Cristo nos dejó limpios de pecado, como si no hubiera llevado con agua pura y ya estamos libres de culpa. Sigamos confiando en que Dios nos salvará. No lo dudemos ni un instante porque Él cumplirá lo que prometió. Tratemos de ayudarnos unos a otros y de amarnos y hacer lo bueno. No dejemos de reunirnos como hacen algunos. Al contrario, animémonos cada una vez para a seguir confiando en Dios. 
Y más aún cuando ya vemos que se acerca el día en que el Señor juzgará a todo el mundo. Si seguimos pecando después de haber conocido la verdadera enseñanza de Dios, ningún sacrificio podrá hacer que Dios nos perdone. No nos quedaría más remedio, más remedio que esperar con un miedo terrible. El juicio final que es cuando los enemigos de Dios serán destruidos con fuego ardiente. Es un juicio. Dos testigos afirman que alguien ha desobedecido la ley de Moisés. Los jueces no le tienen compasión a esa persona y ordenan su muerte. Imagínese, entonces el terrible castigo que recibirán los que desprecian al Hijo de Dios y los que dicen que su muerte no sirve para nada, los que hacen ese insultan al Espíritu de Dios que los ama y menosprecian la muerte de Cristo. Es decir, el nuevo pacto por medio del cual Dios les perdona sus pecados. Además, como todos sabemos, Dios dijo que Él se vengará de sus enemigos y que los castigará por todo lo malo que han hecho. También dijo que juzgará a su pueblo. Qué terrible debe ser que el Dios de la vida tenga que castigarnos. Recuerden todas las dificultades y los sufrimientos por los que ustedes pasaron al principio. Cuando aceptaron la buena noticia, a pesar de eso, nunca dejaron de confiar. Y muchos de ustedes, sus enemigos, los insultaron y los maltrataron delante de la gente y en otras ocasiones ustedes sufrieron con quienes eran tratados así. También tuvieron ustedes compasión de los que estaban en la cárcel y con alegría dejan, dejaron que las autoridades les quitaran sus pertenencias porque sabían que en el cielo tenían algo mucho mejor y más duradero. Por eso no dejen de confiar en Dios, porque solo así recibirán un gran premio. Sean fuertes y por ningún motivo dejen de confiar en Él cuando estén sufriendo, para que así puedan hacer lo que Dios quiere y reciban lo que Él les ha prometido. Pues Dios dice en la Biblia, muy pronto llegará el que tiene que venir, ya no tarda. Lo que me son, los que me son fieles en todo y confían en mí, vivirán para siempre. Pero si dejan de serme fieles, no estaré contentos con ellos. Gracias a Dios, nosotros no somos de los que dejan de ser fieles y ac acaban siendo castigados sino que somos de los que reciben la salvación para confiar en Dios. Amén. Hebreros 11, la confianza en Dios. Confiar en Dios es estar totalmente seguro de que uno va a recibir lo que espera. Es estar convencido de que algo existe aún cuando no se puede ver. Dios aceptó a nuestros antepasados porque ellos confiaron en Él. 
Y nosotros creemos que Dios creó el universo con una sola orden suya. Lo que ahora veremos, vemos fue que fue hecho de cosas que no podían verse. Lo que ahora vemos fue hecho de cosas que no podían verse. Abel confió en Dios y por eso le ofreció un sacrificio mejor que el de Caín. Por eso Dios consideró a que Abel era justo y aceptó todas sus ofrendas. Y aunque Abel ya está muerto, todavía podemos aprender mucho de la confianza que él tuvo en Dios. Y no confió en Dios, por eso, en vez de morir, Dios se lo llevó de este mundo y nadie volvió a encontrarlo. La Biblia dice que antes de que Enoch fuera llevado, fue obediente y eso le agradó a Dios, porque a Dios no le gusta que nos confiemos en Él. Dios no le gusta que no confiemos en Él. Para ser amigo de Dios, hay que creer que Él existe y que sabe premiar a los que buscan su amistad. Noé confió en Dios y por eso cuando Dios le avisó que sucederían cosas que todavía no podían verse, obedeció y construyó una casa flotante para salvar a su familia. Por su confianza en Dios, Noé recibió las bendiciones que Dios da a todos los que obedecen. También por su confianza en, en Dios, Noé hizo que la gente de este mundo fuera condenada. Abraham confió en Dios y por eso obedeció cuando Dios le ordenó que saliera de su tierra para ir al país que le daría aun cuando no sabía así dónde iba. Abraham confió tanto en Dios que vivió como un extranjero en el país de Dios que Dios le había prometido. Vivió en tiendas de campaña igual que Isaac y Jacob y quienes Dios también les había prometido ese país. Abraham confiaba en que algún día vería la ciudad de que Dios había planeado y construido sobre bases firmes. Abraham confió en Dios y por eso, aunque su esposa Sara no podía tener hijos y él era ya muy viejo, Dios le dio fuerzas para tener un hijo y es que Abraham confió en que Dios cumpliría su promesa. Por eso Abraham, aun cuando ya iba a morir, pudo tener tantos descendientes como las estrellas del cielo y como la arena que hay en la orilla del mar. Nadie puede contarlos. Todas las personas que hemos mencionado murieron sin recibir las cosas que Dios les había prometido. Pero como ellos confiaban en Dios, les vieron desde lejos y se alegraron que sabían que en este mundo ellos estaban de paso como los extranjeros, quedan claro entonces que quienes reconocen esto todavía buscan un país propio. Y aquí no están pensando en volver al país de donde salieron, pues de otra manera hubieran regresado allá. Lo que desean es tener un país mejor en el cielo, por eso Dios les ha preparado una ciudad 
y no tienen vergüenza de que le llamen su Dios. Abraham confió en Dios cuando Dios quiso probar si él lo obedeciera o no. Por eso Abraham tuvo, tomó a su hijo Isaac para ofrecerlo para sacrificio. No le importó que fuera su único hijo ni que Dios le hubiera prometido que por medio de Isaac tendría muchos descendientes. Abraham sabía que Dios tiene poder para hacer que los muertos vuelvan a vivir. Esa confianza hizo que Abraham no tuviera que matar a su hijo y fue como si Isaac hubiera vuelvo, vuelto a vivir. Isaac confesó, confió en Dios y por eso les prometió a sus hijos Jacob y a Esúa, Esúa que Dios los iba a bendecir. Jacob confió en Dios y por eso cuando ya estaba por morir, les prometió a los hijos de José que Dios los iba a bendecir. Luego se apoyó en la punta de su bastón y adoró a Dios. José confió en Dios y por eso poco antes de morir anunció que los israelitas saldrían libres de Egipto y dejó instrucciones para que supieran qué hacer con sus huesos. Los padres de Moisés confiaron en Dios y por eso cuando Moisés nació lo escondieron durante tres meses. El rey de Egipto había ordenado que se mataran a todos los niños israelitas, pero ellos vieron que Moisés era un niño hermoso y no tuvieron miedo porque confían en Dios. Moisés confió en Dios y por eso, cuando ya fue hombre, no quiso seguir siendo hijo adoptivo de la hija del rey. No quiso disfrutar de lo que podía hacer y tener como egipcio pues era pecado. Prefiero que los egipcios los maltrataran como lo hacían con el pueblo de Dios. En vez de disfrutar de las riquezas de Egipto, Moisés decidió que era mejor sufrir como también iba a sufrir el Mesías que sabía que Dios le daría su premio. Moisés confió en Dios y por eso no le tuvo miedo al rey ni se rindió nunca. Salió de Egipto y actuó como si estuviera viendo a Dios que es invisible. Y Moisés confió en Dios y por eso celebró la Pascua. También mandó rociar con sangre las puertas de las casas israelitas. Así el ángel enviado a matar no le hizo daño a ningún hijo mayor de las familias israelitas. Los israelitas confiaron en Dios y por eso cruzaron el mar de los juncos como si caminaran sobre tierra seca. Pero cuando los egipcios quisieron pasar, todos ellos se ahogaron. Los israelitas confiaron en Dios y por eso cuando marcharon alrededor de la ciudad de Jericó durante siete días, los muros de la ciudad se vinieron abajo. Rehab, la prostituta, confió en Dios y trató bien a los espías de Israel, por eso no murió, junto con los que habían desobedecido a Dios en Jericó. ¿Qué más les puedo decir? No me alcanzaría el tiempo para hablarles de la confianza en Dios de Gideon, de Barak, de Sansón, de Jepte, 
de David, de Samuel y de los profetas. Ellos confiaron en Dios y por eso conquistaron países y como actuaron con justicia, recibieron lo que Dios les había prometido. Cerraron la boca de leones y apagaron grandes incendios. Escaparon del que los mataran con espada, recibieron fuerzas cuando más débiles estaban y en las guerras fueron tan poderosos que vencieron a los ejércitos enemigos. Algunas mujeres confiaron en Dios y por eso Dios hizo que sus familiares muertos volvieran a vivir. Algunos confiaron tanto en Dios que no quisieron que los dejara en libertad. Al contrario, dejaron que los mataran porque sabían que volverían a vivir y así estarían mucho mejor. Mucha gente se burló de ellos y los maltrató y hasta los metió en la cárcel. Y otros los mataron a pedradas, los partieron en dos con una sierra o los mataron con espada. Algunos anduvieron de un lugar al otro con ropas hechas de piel de oveja y de cabra. Eran pobres, estaban tristes y habían sido maltratados. La gente de ese mundo se merecía personas tan buenas que anduvieron sin rumbo fijo por el desierto, pero las montañas por las cuevas y las cavernas de la tierra. Dios estaba contento con todas estas personas, pues confiaron en Él pero ninguna de ellas recibió lo que Dios había prometido. Y es que Dios tenía un plan mucho mejor para que nosotros también recibiéramos lo prometido. Dios solo hará perfecta a esas personas cuando nos haya hecho perfecto a nosotros. Hebreos 12 los sufrimientos y nuestra confianza en Dios. Todas esas personas están a nuestro alrededor como testigos. Por eso debemos dejar de lado el pecado que es un estorbo, pues la vida es una carrera que exige resistencia. Pongamos toda nuestra atención en Jesús pues de Él viene nuestra confianza y él es Él quien hace que confiemos cada vez más y mejor. Jesús soportó la vergüenza de morir clavado en una cruz porque sabía que después de tanto sufrimiento sería muy feliz y ahora se ha sentado a la derecha del trono de Dios. Piensen en el ejemplo de Jesús. Mucha gente pecadora lo odió y lo hizo sufrir, pero él siguió adelante. Por eso, ustedes no deben rendirse ni desanimarse, pues en su lucha contra el pecado todavía no han tenido que morir como él. Pero ustedes parecen haberse olvidado ya del consejo que Dios les da a sus hijos en la Biblia. Querido jovencito, no tomes las instrucciones de Dios como algo sin importancia, ni te pongas tristes cuando Él te reprenda, porque Dios corrige y castiga a todo aquel que ama y considera a su hijo. 
Si ahora ustedes están sufriendo, es porque Dios los ama y los corrige como si fueran sus hijos, porque no hay un padre que no corrija a su hijo. Si Dios no los corrige como lo hace con todos sus hijos, entonces ustedes no son en verdad sus hijos. Cuando éramos niños, nuestros padres aquí en la tierra nos corregían y nosotros los respetábamos. Con mayor razón debemos obedecer a Dios, que es nuestro Padre que está en el cielo, pues así tendremos vida eterna. Cuando éramos niños, nuestros padres nos corregían porque pensaban que eso era lo mejor para nosotros. Pero Dios nos corrige para nuestro verdadero bien, para hacernos santos como Él. Desde luego que ningún castigo nos gusta en el momento de recibirlo, pues nos duele. Pero si aprendemos la lección que Dios nos quiere dar, viviremos en paz y haremos el bien. Por todo eso, no debemos dejar de confiar totalmente en Dios. Si la vida es como una carrera y ustedes tienen ya cansadas las manos y débiles las rodillas, cobre, cobren nuevas fuerzas, corran por un camino recto y parejo para que el pie que este cojo se sane y no se tuerza más. Advertencia Traten de vivir en paz con todos y de obedecer a Dios porque si no lo hacen, jamás lo verán cara a cara. No dejen que nadie se aleje del amor de Dios. Tampoco permitan que nadie cause problemas en el grupo porque eso les haría daño. Sería como una planta amarga que los envenenaría. Ninguno debe tener relaciones sexuales prohibidas ni despreciar a Dios. Eso fue lo que hizo Isaú, pues cambió sus derechos de hijo mayor por un plato de comida. Y cuando quiso que sus padres le reconocieran esos derechos, él no se los reconoció. Isaú lloró mucho, pero ya no había nada que hacer. Ustedes no se acercaron al monte Sinai, el cual se podía ver y tocar, y en el que había fuego, oscuridad, tinieblas y tormentas. Tampoco oyeron el sonido de una trompeta ni la voz de Dios dándoles mandamientos. Los que oyeron esa voz en el monte Sinai pedían que se callara, pues no podían obedecer el mandamiento que les ordenaba. Deberán matar a pedradas o con una lanza a cualquier persona o animal que ponga un pie en ese monte. Tan terrible fue lo que ellos vieron en, el, en ese monte que Moisés mismo dijo, estoy temblando de miedo. Ustedes, por el contrario, se han acercado al monte Sion y a la ciudad de Dios, quien vive para siempre. Esa es la ciudad de Jerusalén que está en el cielo. Ahí hay miles de ángeles que alaban a Dios. Y ahí están todos aquellos a quienes Dios trató como a hijos y a quienes les dio el derecho de vivir en el cielo. Ustedes se han acercado a Dios 
quien juzgará a todo el mundo. También se han acercado a los espíritus de las personas buenas que Dios hizo perfectas. Se han acercado a Jesús y recuerden que por medio de él, Dios hizo un nuevo pacto con ustedes. Gracias a la sangre que Jesús derramó al morir, hemos sido perdonados de nuestros pecados. Por eso Jesús es mejor que Abel, pues la sangre de Abel nos, no ofrece perdón, sino que pide venganza. Tengan cuidado cuando Dios les llame la atención. No la rechacen, porque los israelitas que en el pasado lo rechazaron, no escaparon del castigo. En aquella ocasión, cuando Dios les habló, su voz hizo temblar la tierra. Y si nosotros rechazamos a Dios, que nos llama la atención desde el cielo, tampoco escaparemos del castigo. Porque ahora Él dice, Otra vez haré temblar, no solo la tierra, sino también el cielo. Y cuando dice otra vez, entendemos que Él quitará las cosas creadas, las que se pueden mover, para dejar las cosas que no se pueden ser movidas. Gracias a Dios, el reino que Él nos da no puede ser movido. Por eso debemos adorar a Dios con el amor y la honra que a Él le gusta recibir, porque nuestro Dios es como un fuego Destructor. Hebreros 13. ¿Cómo debe vivir el cristiano? Ámense siempre los unos a los otros. Como hermanos en Cristo, no se, no se olviden de recibir bien a la gente que llegue a su casa, pues de ese modo mucha gente sin darse cuenta ha recibido ángeles. Preocúpense por los hermanos que están en la cárcel y por los que han sido maltratados. Piensen cómo se sentirán ustedes si estuvieran en la misma situación. Todos deben considerar el matrimonio como algo muy valioso. El esposo y la esposa deben ser fieles el uno al otro porque Dios castigará a los que tengan relaciones sexuales prohibidas y sean infieles en el matrimonio. No vivan preocupados por tener más dinero. Estén contentos con lo que tienen, porque Dios ha dicho en la Biblia, nunca te dejaré desamparado. Por eso podemos repetir con toda confianza lo que dice la Biblia, no tengo miedo, nadie puede hacerme daño, porque Dios me ayuda. Piensen en los líderes que les anunciaron el mensaje de Dios, pues ellos confiaron siempre en Dios. Piensen mucho en ellos y sigan su ejemplo. Jesucristo nunca cambia, es el mismo ayer, hoy y siempre. Por eso no hagan caso de enseñanzas extrañas que no tienen nada que ver con lo que Jesucristo nos enseñó. Esas reglas acerca de lo que se debe comer y de lo que no se debe comer nunca han ayudado a nadie. Es mejor que no dé fuerzas, es mejor que nos dé fuerzas el amor de Dios. 
Es mejor que nos dé fuerzas en el amor de Dios. Los sacerdotes del antiguo lugar del culto no tenían, tienen derecho a comer lo que hay en nuestro altar. El jefe de los sacerdotes lleva el antiguo lugar de culto la sangre de los animales sacrificados para ofrecerla a Dios y pedir el perdón por los pecados. Sin embargo, los cuerpos de esos animales se queman fuera del lugar donde vive el pueblo. Del mismo modo, Jesús murió fuera de la ciudad de Jerusalén para que, por medio de su sangre, Dios perdonará a su pueblo. Por eso también nosotros debemos salir junto con Jesús y compartir con Él la vergüenza que le hicieron pasar al clavarlo en una cruz. Porque en este mundo no tenemos una ciudad que dura, dure para siempre, sino que vamos al encuentro de la ciudad que está por venir. Nuestra ofrenda a Dios es darle gracias siempre por medio de Jesucristo que hemos dicho que Él es nuestro Señor. Nuestra ofrenda a Dios es darles gracias siempre por medio de Jesucristo que hemos dicho que Él es nuestro Señor. Nunca se olviden de hacer lo bueno, ni de compartir lo que tienen con los que no tienen nada. Esos son los sacrificios que agradan a Dios. Obedezcan a sus líderes porque ellos cuidan de ustedes sin descanso y saben que son responsables ante Dios de lo que a ustedes les pase. Traten de no causar problemas para que el trabajo que ellos hacen sean agradables y ustedes puedan servirles de ayuda. Oren por nosotros. Estamos seguros de que Dios no tiene nada contra nosotros, pues tratamos de portarnos bien en el todo. Oren especialmente para que yo pueda ir pronto a visitarlos. El Dios de paz resucitó a nuestro Señor Jesús. Y por medio de la sangre que Jesús derramó al morir, hizo un pacto eterno. Con nosotros somos el rebaño de Jesús y Él es nuestro gran pastor. Por eso le pido al Dios de paz que haga que ustedes sean buenos y perfectos en todo. Y que Jesucristo los ayude a obedecerlo. Que Jesús reciba la gloria y la honra para siempre. Amén. Hermanos, les he escrito estas breves palabras para animarlos. Léanlas con paciencia. Quiero decirles que nuestro hermano Timiteo ya está en libertad y si llega pronto me acompañará a visitarlos. Saluden por favor a todos sus líderes y a todos los hermanos que forman el pueblo. Santo de Dios los hermanos que están en Italia, les mando saludos. Desde todo corazón, que Dios los llene de amor. Welcome to today's podcast of Limitless Love for November the 3rd. Let us open this uh, reading with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Reading from Limitless Love by Gloria Copeland, November the 3rd. In your heart and in your mouth. Today's scripture is in Romans 10, 6 and 8. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thy heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring our Christ again from the dead. But what said it? The word, <clears throat> the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, is the word of faith that we, we preach. If God loves me, <clears throat> why doesn't he heal me? If God really cares about me, why doesn't he help me out with this financial mess? We all heard people saying things like that. We may have even said them themselves, but the fact is the Bible clearly answers those questions. It says God loves us so much that through Jesus, he's already taken care of all these things for us. Before we ever needed healing or help or deliverance, God provided them for us. Then he told us about it in his word. So we could receive provision whenever we wanted by simply putting that word in our hearts and in our mouths. To me, that's an exciting thing. It means I don't have to talk to God into healing me. He loves me so much, he's already said, by whose stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24 I don't have to try to persuade God to help me with my finances. He's already said, I will supply all your need according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 Maybe so, but I'd just be able to receive better if Jesus would come himself and appear to me, you might argue. I'd just have more faith if he'd give me something more than his word. No, no, you wouldn't, because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. It doesn't come by seeing Jesus in the flesh. It doesn't come by experiencing some spectacular miracle. When I was first learning about these things, the Lord showed me that his written words carry the same authority when I read them in the Bible that they would if Jesus came into my room and said them to me with his own mouth. God's word already, always carries creative power. If you let that power go into your heart and come out of your mouth, it will straighten out your life. It will bring forth all the things God has so lovingly provided for you. I'll just be blunt. The only thing that can stop you from receiving God's promises once you find out about them is laziness or unbelief. So determine now you won't ever let laziness or unbelief stop you. Decide you will never frustrate God's love and grace by failing to receive His provisions. Put His word in your heart and in your mouth. Receive by faith all the good gifts He has already for you. Amen. Uh, we can go ahead and add for a commentary here. Go ahead and give us a perspective. For me, I've been reading 1 John 1 through 5 for a long time, so it's easy for me to voice it out. And I believe it gets results because it, it deals on the love of God. And then I get faith. 
uh, it becomes a shield, a shield of faith. People are always talking, throwing daggers at you, you know, either if you're out in the workplace. You know, this is a protective mechanism God has made with his word. And I believe and I feel it, it's a shield of faith. Uh, and we get it from reading his word. We get it from uh, lifting, which is a hard thing, especially when you have uh, <clears throat> television, if you're prone to look at TV a lot. Amen. Do we have any uh, commentaries from this room? Anybody else like commentary? Okay, well, thank you very much, Ron. Uh, send in your commentaries. Just put them online, and we'll post them. Thank you. Okay, November 2nd, Limitless Love by Gloria Copeland. And the title of the message today is A Steady Diet of Good News. And the scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. While we look not at the things which are seen, but are at the things which are not seen. For the things which are not are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I've been teaching for years about how absolutely vital it is for us to spend time in the Word. And in fellowship with the Lord every day. I repeat it again and again. If people get tired of it, I don't care. I'm like Peter who said, I intended always to remind you about these things, although indeed you know them. Wonderful. Second Peter 1, 2. Actually, I think it's even more important now than ever it's ever been before because as the world gets darker, we are more surrounded by fear and bad news. The media makes sure we hear about every tra tragedy every downturn in the economy, and any natural circumstance that might threaten us. They interview people who have been victimized or lost their jobs or those who have been traumatized in some way, but rarely they give much time to report about those who have overcome tragedy or received new, new and better jobs, or those who have been miraculously spared some kind of trouble. Because of the development of satellite and cable, we, ne we now have the opportunity to watch bad news. 24 hours a day. What a breakthrough. You can watch the same depressing newscast over and over. If you do, before you know it, you'll lose heart. You'll be thinking, I'm afraid I'm going to be laid off. I'm afraid I'm going to not have enough money to retire. I'm afraid of all this trouble that is troubling the world is going to come to my house before long. That's why, if you want to stay strong in your faith in God's love and faithfulness to take care of you, you need to have a constant, steady diet of God's Word. You have to continually renew your inner man by fellowshipping with Him in the Spirit day to day. You must purposely spend time focusing not on the things which are seen, but on the unseen truths of God. And remind yourself that all that bad news the media report is just temporary. Tomorrow something different will be happening. As one minister says, newspapers are so temporary they have to be published every day. But the truth of God is eternal. Your Bible will say the same thing tomorrow that it says today because God doesn't change. And he just keeps on loving you. And he keeps on giving you every good and perfect good gift because in him there are no variables 
neither shadow or, or turning in James 1.17. He will now and forever love and take care of you. In Jesus' name. Wonderful, wow. wonderful, wonderful reading. Beautiful reading. You know what I got out of that? Thank you for mm-hmm. reading that, Anna. You're welcome. What I got out of that is the fact as the sun comes up and goes mm-hmm. down and warms the earth, so the Word of God is available. Amen. And we have to get out in the sunshine to enjoy the sun. we got to get out there and enjoy the Word of God by speaking it, by spending an hour. You know, uh, Anna and I made a document, a little 3 by 5 card, and we signed it that we're going to spend an hour a day reading the Word of God. And this is part of it. And now we, we kind of like... You know, to get our day started, we got to get our meal in. Because uh, it's so easy to put it aside and say, well, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's working. Yes. The, the, the Word of God. I remember one time I was reading the Word of God out loud on this, these uh, readings. And uh, across across the alley was a, a kind of like a junkyard. And I thought to myself, the thought came to me that those words, those, those pallets and all that iron and all that, those those busted trucks that have been there for since the 30s and 40s, I said, something's going to happen over there. there he, those molecules are hearing the Word of God. And sure enough, about three months later, they cleaned the place up. I mean, it's been 50 years. And they came in, and, and I said, wow, I wonder if it was the Word of God that, that I was saying it out loud. Um yeah. You know, and it's sure enough, I've seen it twice. I've seen it, you know, uh, speaking at Fort, and I look forward. I said, where am I shooting those uh, boomerangs at, those arrows at that's making a difference? So, folks, picking up the Bible and reading those promised books, those little promises books. God showed me a long time ago that little book of promises that says, what was that? The saying said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. me. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. My but God. whatever I do will prosper in the name of the Lord. My God shall supply. My God shall supply all of my needs according to riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then there's one in Hebrews that I've read. I think it's in chapter 12 or 13 where it says, he says, you have everything you need for the Lord has told you, I will never leave you forsaken. Right. You know, I will never right. leave you abandoned. Right. And then another another scripture, what we have to do, instead of running through those scriptures, we have to say them over and over again and make them come alive. If we memorize them and make them come alive and say them over and over again so we have a response. If a need comes up, I said, no, the Lord said he'll never leave me nor right. forsake yes, me. Amen. You know, if, if a situation comes and you say, I don't have enough, uh, energy, and we all have experiences that will say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and boom, that energy comes, and all of a <laughs> sudden you're doing thing after thing yes, after thing, yes, amen. now you're overdoing it, Yeah, amen, <laughs> you're amen. on the other side of it, Thank and you, uh, you know, yes. it's, it's a beautiful life, you know, we've been given the word of God to live, the instructions, and it's our laziness, and our entertainment, and our taking our ease and comfort, is ruining us, you know. We we have to be, we have to listen with our heart and get the faith out of it. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm done living on that side of the world. Yes. This world is prettier, lovelier, and more adventurous and intelligently wise. 
Nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen. Shalom. Wonderful, wonderful. I just want to add a couple things is that, you know, <clears throat> it's hard to get away from some of this news that's around because it's all over and people are talking about it. But, you know, we have to remember as Christians, we are not in the world. We are, we're in it, but we're not of it. Okay? So that's what it says in the book of John. We're in it. Amen. Out of it. Amen. So we got to pull ourselves out and we got to feed our mind with the word of God because the scripture in Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Now, how do we get transformed by the renewing? We do the word every day. The more we're in the word, the more we're transformed from, you know, uh, from what we're feeding ourselves. And um, that's, that's the answer is to always... Your mind has to be renewed every day. It's like you get up, you take a shower, you brush your teeth. Get in the Word every day. Make that part of your routine. You know, diet and exercise are great, okay, to lose weight and eat properly. That's great. But the number one diet is what Jesus said. I'm the bread of life. I will. You'll never be hungry again. And you'll never be thirsty again. And my words are spirit and they are life. Okay? So what He feeds us is from his right into our spirit and it encourages us to keep walking forward and believing him for great miracles great and mighty things as situations pop up you'll know how to react to them you know you won't you won't have fear you won't be afraid that you're not going to have food on the table for your family god is god will pour out his wisdom during that time of which way to go to the left or to the right or, you know, even help to help you figure out, do you move here? Do you move there? What is, God will guide you and pour out his spirit even more inside of you. And he will give you visions and dreams. And you're opening it up to endless possibilities from the realm of heaven. And your life will be on earth as it is in heaven. No matter what you need, it's going to come. So, but you you got to feed your, your spirit and keep working with it and, and just... Discipline yourself to focus on not the temporary things which pass away, but the Word of God will never pass away. And so you focus on that, and that that's awesome. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Give them heaven. Go out there. Thank you very much, uh, Anna. Yes. The Lord bless you and keep you, family. Go out there. If no one's told you uh, they love you, well, tough luck. No. I we, love you. We love you. We love you and we care. We yes. care for your success. We care for your children and we care for your elderly and we care for um, every little <clears throat> every little walk and challenge you have. We bless it and pray for you. In Jesus' mighty name, be a success. Go in the power of God. Go in the faith that you have. Amen. Amen. Thank you.